0: Welcome to Everything Imaginable, a podcast for curious minds on KGRA Radio, and here is your host, Gary Cocholillo.
1: Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I'm your host, Gary Cocholillo, and today we have Mark Fiorentino. Did I say it right this time? Yeah, you got it. And uh, he is ret- uh, returning. He is the author of Master of Reality. Uh, thank you for coming on.
2: Well, it's great to be here. Thank you, Gary. It's a uh, fun show, and I'm looking forward to more uh, great information being passed along. All right.
1: Um, so so just before we started, we we're talking about this, uh, what is it, super galactic converter?
2: <laughs> Stellar converter. Yeah, yeah.
1: Let's talk about that. What is a uh, stellar converter?
2: Okay. Well, um, when I was doing my cosmology theory for super relativity, I saw that uh, the universe is a cyclic universe, so it's going to end in a big collapse. And uh, did some research and verified that astronomers have detected Titan-sized black holes scattered all around the perimeter of the universe. And uh, large galaxy clusters are all being attracted and pulled in to all these different massively big um, black holes basically is what they are. And uh, I said, well, um, if nobody does anything about this, everyone will perish in the end. There will be no survivors uh, anywhere so, uh, and that's the natural end of our universe. It's, it's going to happen if we do nothing. Uh, and if, and that's okay in a way because it's going to recycle. Uh, because according to my theory, once all the mass has fallen back into the black hole, it'll trigger another um, massive explosion due to the extreme pressure created once all the neutronium all the matter and energy in the universe are collapsed back into the cosmic egg and it will restart all over again but unfortunately everybody there will be no escaping i don't think you'll be able to get away even in uh in uh, my slip spatial bias driver the ufos they they may be able to uh, avert the attraction mm-hmm. of the massive black hole but you better be many, many thousands of light years away when it goes off again, because it's that that radiation will kill everything as well. So I decided to see if there was a way to circumvent the big collapse. So that's when I thought of the stellar converter, which is basically a machine that uses the slip wave bias drive, which is an anti-gravity drive to go underneath the event horizon of a black hole. And it's going to enter in both the north and south poles. So the, all these black holes are spinning rapidly. So they are going to have north and south poles. And what you do, that's the area that's moving the, the least. Uh, you know, the center of something that's spinning isn't moving as fast as the perimeter by any means, barely moving at all. If you go to the Extreme center so what you do is you create a giant coil system Uh, it's just like a siphon tube and um, you could have there's many configurations i came up with and i've listed them in the book and um, so these things are are nothing more than really giant concentric rings of coils superconducting coils that are going to uh, unleash huge magnetic fields when they are activated. And they descend down through the event horizon into the black hole. Now, if you did this with ordinary matter or anything like that, it would be destroyed. It would fall into the black hole immediately and, and be ripped apart by the tidal forces and compressed and land on the surface. and. Right. Uh, be neutronized or or whatever would happen to it at that point but since these have an anti-gravity field they're not going to feel the intense gravitational pull they're going to cancel it out with the intense magnetic field Mm -hmm. so you let these things descend until it touches the surface which is made of neutronium according to my theory all black holes are, are made of neutronium which is a substance that can be compressed to a deep layers of incredible uh, density, um, and this is possible because neutrons are neutral charges, and uh, whereas protons are positive charges, they have a very strong repulsive force, but not the neutrons. So that's perfect. It's just what's needed to create a black hole, a neutrally charged object that can be compressed to great densities. So once this thing descends and touches the surface it cuts through it like a hot knife through butter once you remove the gravitational field that's binding those neutrons on the surface to the the core of the neutronium sphere they rocket up through the center of the coil out into outer space and they look just like quasars so My theory says that perhaps those quasars we're seeing out there, which they have identified as having extremely strong magnetic fields at the poles, what's doing that? Uh, They think it's because of some sort of natural uh, accretion disk that's spinning around the perimeter but it really doesn't make sense to me, but um, it would Mm -hmm. take an enormous amount of electron flow around the perimeter to generate the magnetic field that I'm talking about. But either way, the natural occurrence or by this uh, alien technology or whatever that we're using here, um, there is a strong magnetic field and we do see jets of, Particles coming out of the poles, so I think this uh, system will work, and all that's needed is a very powerful magnetic field. So why why do this? Why well, basically you're going to siphon off all of the neutronium material in the black hole until it becomes a neutron star, and why that is good is it comes out of there basically as neutron isolated neutron particles which according to my theory is perfect because amazingly enough, neutrons in 15 minutes turn into a proton and electron. And what are those equal? Hydrogen. Now hmm. we can start the process over. This, this is what got me into the whole idea that black holes were made out of neutrons because I was very suspicious about why the proton could You can isolate it in outer space and it will not decay for billions of years. It'll stay there as, basically as hydrogen until it can be used. Whereas the neutron, guarantee you, isolate it by itself in 15 short minutes, it turns into a proton and an electron. And I said, that's perfect. That's not an accident because that's just what we need to rebuild the universe. So, my idea is to basically siphon off, you know, shoot out the neutronium material, and um, once it's uh, released from its gravitational pressure, it'll come out the top and bottom of the black hole in these super bright jets, and then they can eventually, uh, this material will eventually hit something, slow down, form uh, hydrogen clouds. And we can then use those hydrogen clouds uh, to build stars and planets all over again and perhaps prevent the end of the universe. But we would have to get started pretty early, soon, (laughs) within the next few hundred million years, I think, because it's going to take a great deal of time to, to throttle down these massive black holes. But that's kind of... You know, and I'm a little concerned about because you got to think about it. We're messing with Mother Nature now at an extreme foundational level, so we have to be careful and think this thing through. Mm -hmm. Because we need the universe needs neutronium cores to build stars and planets.
1: So, to do this, would be able to stay on Earth itself, or would we be inside this? Oh, um, it's it's it's
2: it's it's a totally automated system, um, because it's built using the spatial bias drive, the slipway spatial bias drive. Mm-hmm. It could get there in a hurry. I don't care if the black hole, like the one we're heading to, in our galaxy, in our, our cluster, uh, the uh, the like Lanakia, <laughs> it's a Hawaiian name. It's named after the mountain where the uh, telescope is. Um, (laughs) That group, our group, is heading toward the great attractor and will be crushed to dust in a few billion years from now. So if we don't do something about it, for sure the Earth is going to end that way, but odds are the Earth, the sun will burn out before that, but that's another story. But to, to save the galaxies from this doom... Mm-hmm. Uh, if we got there early, a few billion years in advance or whatever, attached this system, and I have various ways. There's one where the, the, this um, cylindrical uh, set of rings goes up and down inside of the black hole and sh- shoots bursts out of either end, uh, and it does this at a very rapid rate. Uh, Once again, it can do this because it's got a very intense anti-gravity field on it so it can easily slip inside into the neutronium material and uh, release it. Uh, So this is um, one of the methods I'm I'm, I'm thinking of that we could use to prevent the, the gigantic collapse in the universal recycle and then, but still, provide new star material, new planet material, so that we can continue on uh, for indefinitely. Could there be like a negative side effect to doing that? Yes, uh, one of the things I was concerned because that converts the entire black hole to isolated neutron atoms. So that gives us plenty of material for. Um, Uh, for building stars and planets but uh, we must conserve a lot of neutronium cores the seeds that I call them so that we can continue to build stars and planets Uh, you know because eventually the stars burn out again so you need more uh, hydrogen gas so you would have to convert more uh, neutron stars or um, black holes into neutron gas to keep things going. In the natural cycle, when uh, the uh, universe collects enough of the matter and energy to create another big bang, when that happens, it's a sudden burst, whereas there is huge amounts of isolated neutrons coming out, which in 15 minutes will conveniently turn into hydrogen. But also there's neutronium spheres, which I call the cosmic seeds. These spheres can come out at any kind of size, from the size of a baseball to um, several light years across. Depending on their size, they'll create, uh, they'll gather around them the hydrogen gas and other neutronium spheres. So if you have a really big one, like, like the one that's in the center of our galaxy, that will gather a lot of star and planet material around it, form a whole spiral galaxy mm-hmm. uh, because it's spinning and that spinning, that rotation twists space all around it via frame dragging. And as you can see, there's huge amounts in the universe of spiral galaxies and uh, that's how they're formed uh, from these Neutronium seeds. And then there's all these other Neutronium seeds within it. they collect the hydrogen, and form stars. So like our sun, uh, in my book, I proclaim that our sun has a solid neutronium core. Mm -hmm. And I show that there's a graph that NASA uh, generated and they use some sensors to detect the surface and how gaseous it is. And as it gets deeper, it becomes more and more solid. You could see it clearly in the graph in my book. And that's only at the. It only goes fifty percent of the way, and it's a rock solid. At fifty percent, you know, you can imagine when you get down to ten percent, there's something very large, very strong gravitational pull. It's what's holding the atmosphere together, and it's what's holding the hydrogen, even though there's massive amounts of uh, fusion explosions going on, which would normally blow that gas apart. But something holds it together, something powerful, something that drives the fusion process. And this can only be sensibly done with a neutronium core of intense gravitational strength. This makes the whole system work. It explains how gases are combined or gathered together. Uh, the old method uh, that that astrophysicists use and so forth, they know it doesn't make sense because they just have this model. And when you ask them, How do the gases just magically fall together in outer space where the density is so low and the repulsive power of the hydrogen atoms is so much stronger, many, many orders of magnitude stronger than the gravitational pull? How does this come together? And the explanations get very fuzzy. And they know that there's something wrong there. So what I did is I fixed that problem by coming up with a sensible way for this to work. And so I'm pr- making the prediction in my book, and uh, hopefully uh, someday science will advance enough to confirm it by being able to uh, do measurements that confirm that the sun has a solid neutronium core.
1: Um, if the sun, like, like this, uh, you know, this is for the black hole situation, but you said that the more of a possibility of the sun burning out Uh, before we get sucked into the black hole. Um, Is there a way to use this to keep the sun from burning out?
2: Well, it's a tricky business. Uh, In order to keep the sun from burning out, we'd have to add more hydrogen because the process now is the hydrogen is fusing and converting into helium. And basically, as the hydrogen runs out and the helium fusion kicks in, the sun is going to get hotter Mm -hmm. and hotter and then the surface is going to you know more more explosive more hotter it's it's atmosphere is going to be bulging out into a red giant and uh so we could try and add more hydrogen but that's just we may make it burn too hot by doing that there's something you know that's got to be figured out uh i think the most sensible thing what everybody else is probably doing is they leave. The only other thing that we can do is another fix that I put in my book. I call it Project Sunshade. And basically what that does is you build a large, I mean, really large, millions of square miles of a blinding system, like the blinds on your window, they open and shut. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you start ratcheting those up so, that they block a percentage of the sunlight. So, over the next few thousand years, our sun is going to burn hotter because the hydrogen is running out. Eventually, you know, it will burn gradually, burn hotter as the helium fusion takes over. So, we could make things last here a lot longer if we use the sunshade. Uh, but in the end, It's eventually going to burn so hot that the atmosphere Mm -hmm. of the sun is going to get almost to where we are. It's going to engulf Mercury and Venus and stop somewhere between Venus and Earth. Uh, Or maybe, if we're really unlucky, go beyond Earth and stop between Earth and Mars somewhere. Uh, We won't survive being within the atmosphere of the sun. So um, the other solution is we leave and we can only do that if we have starships that can break the light speed barrier. So Mm -hmm. again, this is why I'm pushing for that because we don't know what the future holds. For all we know, the sun is about to run out of hydrogen in a hundred years from now. You know, Mm -hmm. we don't really have precise numbers of how old the sun is. We, We have some idea how old it is. But supposing it's a lot older than it, <laughs> than we think, uh, we have to be prepared. And if we don't get faster than light starship capability, we will always be in jeopardy uh, because these kind of catastrophes, nobody survives. If the sun burns too hot, we don't survive. If we get hit hit by a huge asteroid 10 miles wide or, or larger, most everybody is going to go. Uh We have to, we need this technology for the world to be safe and the humanity to be safe. So I'm pushing for anti-gravity technology to be discovered. So basically what I'm saying is the sun has got a neutronium core and it's important. I want people to know about it. If... um
1: Like one, the, if we need the anti-gravity technology in order to be able to get off the planet to escape this, um, do you think we've already created that technology? And we just don't know about it. Yeah, and, and it's and it only like elites have access to it.
2: Yeah, right now it's my firm belief. You know, I have I have not eyewitnessed it, but I know somebody who has. Um. I can only say so much because this person is afraid and, and both of them want to remain anonymous. But I was contacted and they told me or this particular person who's highly credible uh, uh, has told me they saw a UFO close up, close enough to read the markings on it. And the markings said U.S. Air Force Experimental. And that was back in the early 70s. So, yeah, we got it. They know it. And they're not telling us. And for why? You might ask, well, why aren't they telling us this? Uh, Because it gives the United States a strategic military advantage. We have spacecraft or, you know, what you might call super crafts, of uh, uh abilities that are far beyond our best jets anybody's best jets and rockets we could take anything out of the air if we want <laughs> there's no way that we're going to get shot down unless we're asleep at the wheel uh the, nobody could hit something moving at 50,000 miles an hour in the atmosphere uh it can make right turns at you know two three four five thousand miles an hour and then make a 90 degree turn and nobody get crushed and killed in the process. Mm-hmm. You can only do this with a slipway spatial bias drive. And, and I believe we do have that already. It needs to come forward, but I don't know, maybe the U S is going to say that someday. And I, I, they are the official people that, that they're the only people that the masses will, will believe because they are the people in authority so they are maybe they're coming getting ready to come out with it and this whole thing with the u.s navy and the tic tacs off the west Mm -hmm. coast that's encouraging that that got through our our system our military system with video and everything that's the first they always covered all that stuff up and now all of a sudden there's people talking about it and, and explaining what's going on and Going over and there's testimony and there's pilots uh, talking about it and they're not being harassed. So maybe we're getting ready to make an announcement at some point. I hope so. I,
1: I do too. Um, it, if this is the case, then we have it. Like, like, why is somebody like Elon Musk wasting time sending rockets?
2: <laughs> it's it's part of the, the whole cover-up. Now, I don't know that what Elon Musk knows about this other technology. I think if he really knew about it and understand it, he would start building it. I can tell you, there are loads of of companies that, um, or have been working on anti-gravity things for decades now, loads of virtually almost every major airline company that produces, um, uh, jets and uh, rockets for the United States does this. But, you know, NASA probably knows. I'm pretty sure they do. And, and they continue working in this way. It's keeping up the illusion at a high cost to the American people mm-hmm. uh, because it costs a lot of money to build a rocket. Whereas we could do the same thing. We could deliver stuff into outer space satellites and uh, things like that at a very low cost. Using uh, UFO technology, using this uh, slipway bias drive technology, because you don't have to build rockets and thrusters and, you know, all of this stuff that's very difficult to build and maintain to do this. So Elon Musk, he's working, you know, he's a contractor, he's getting paid big money to make these rockets. And, you know, it's a business for me to get paid big money to make cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we could have supercars which is another thing I discuss in the book, which is basically hovercraft, a very cool, slick way, rapid way to get around the planet. And uh, it's way better than regular cars. But you know what? It doesn't burn gas. (laughs) And uh, we're going to be slow to move off of that because the big companies want us to use fuel. Fuel, they make money with fuel. So in a way, industries... Are are holding back, holding us back as well, because they want to reap the rewards of um, that they have with the the hold on energy they have and such, Uh, and so they don't want any new technologies to come out. Let's say for power generation, something we talked about before. Um, If we had a good power generating system that was 100% efficient, whatever perpetual motion type thing. Well, that's going to replace the power companies and the power companies are not gonna like that. So naturally they're gonna you know, put the clamps down on anybody that does succeed in that area. But when we come out with these um, machines, these supercars someday, that technology will have to, the power and en- the energy technology will also have to be revealed because these crafts are gonna be using this type of power system. And it's just a matter of time and, uh, you know, all I can do is hope that people out there hear these messages, hear these conversations that we're having right now. And there's some physicists and scientists, maybe in other countries that'll say, hey, this is possible. Let's do the work. Let's determine how to build these star craft and do this because the world needs this, and um, you can make a lot of money selling these cars, these supercars, right? Uh, That's just instead of selling a gas-running car, we're slowly switching to electric. Uh, So that's being allowed to happen, Uh, but this will be the next step. We switch to all-electric supercars that are hovercrafts capable of going 50, 60, 70,000 miles per hour. If I wanted to go to some place like Tahiti from Florida well I can do it in five minutes at that speed and that's really convenient and that gives you a level of freedom people on earth that they've never had before to be able to travel that far that fast I could have breakfast in uh, Paris and then go fly to Rome for lunch and be home at three in the afternoon for a nice little nap after I, you know, had a couple of great meals somewhere else in the world. I'm talking a new age of man, a utopian society with this technology leading the way. Wow. Um,
1: do you think um, Robert Bigelow has access to the slip wave technology?
2: I'm, um, I don't know. Um, I'm not familiar with Robert. Who's Robert Bigelow? I probably should know this. He's,
1: um... Before Elon Musk jumped into the picture, Bigelow did a lot of this space program stuff. He owns Skinwalker Ranch.
2: Oh, okay. He's he's a guy that's kind of into studying the UFOs and so forth. Yes. Anybody who owns that ranch is asking for a lot of trouble. Uh, There's some strange stuff going on out there. And, um... Yeah, I don't know if if you're still studying it and you're buying that ranch to study. Well, you're really into trying to figure out who the aliens are, how many of them there are, what types they are, and uh, which would also be a great benefit for us if we go into outer space big time. We're sending probes. We're exploring all the stars near us. We're going to meet lots of other alien beings lots of other cultures and uh, i think we already have we you know some of the spaceships have crashed and we might have gotten captured some survivors and and they probably visited us on the air force bases privately and we maybe have some deals between us and them Uh, they give us technology we give them well I'm not really sure what we give them. Some of it might not be so good, but I'm not going to make a claim that I don't know for sure is happening. Actually, I just
1: recently did uh, an episode and uh, with an abductee, and she said they were taking fetuses.
2: Yeah, that, that I've read, too, and I've seen, and I, I do believe that there's one particular race that's got some sort of genetic problem, Right. And they're making, they're using us for hybrids mm-hmm. and they're having, you know, expanding their race that way. That sounds to me like something that's probably true. And it's a horrible thing for people because we're we're getting treated like cattle, right? Because let's face it, they're millions of years ahead of us. To them, we're kind of like not much more advanced than ants or, you know, <laughs> some other social bug that right. makes Primitive machines. I mean, rockets are laughable to aliens. I mean, they look at those and they guys say it's like like a hot air balloon to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and um, so I, it wouldn't surprise me that that's going on, and that I would like to see that stop because you know it's against their will, and you know. There may be a way that some people might want to do that in the future when we make friends with some race and say, well, all right, well, you do this, you give us 50,000 in gold and you can, you know, well, uh, you know, mix some eggs with, uh, alien technology and have your hybrids or whatever. And they, I think they, what they do is impregnate the woman in, in the first, two or three months maybe not more than three months i don't think and then the fetus is extracted and then right. it's grown the rest of the time mm-hmm. in their their motherships yes yeah, uh, yeah so that that may be something we could work out voluntarily uh, if you know to be friends with them they give us technology they give us stuff to heal uh diseases and cures for diseases and extend our lifespan to maybe 250 to 300 years that would be pretty cool um there's you know a lot of benefit to making friends with aliens and not going to war we tend to always seem to want to go to war for some reason (laughs) Maybe if we could learn not to do that, you know, unless we're attacked. I mean, if we're attacked, then you got to go to war, like what happened in World War II. Uh, That's perfectly understandable. But there's always somebody picking a fight. Let's hope it's not us with the aliens, because I I don't know that we would win that fight. But uh, it's better to make friends in advance. And I I think that's how advanced species get ahead. They get smart enough to know that you got to stop killing everybody or being killed by killing yourselves. Uh, You know, that's part of how how they get ahead and survive is they learn to be peaceful. And I'm hoping that we will learn that someday and uh, advance.
1: Indeed. Um, With some of these theories. um, First I'm thinking about before we go off to, to another topic, I was interviewing somebody the other day, and um, we were talking about the anti-gravity stuff, and um, he had a theory that the Nazis had already had it, and um, towards the end of World War II, that some of the Nazis actually went off-planet and settled on another
2: planet. I don't know uh that's within the realm of possibility but i have no research or studying that or any witnesses that come forward and told me anything
1: uh, yeah i was wondering if it was like within the realm of possibility it's
2: it certainly is not only that but other ancient uh cultures that may have happened that they you know the aliens came down and from who knows what race because let's face it there's literally billions of advanced races out there uh, maybe even in our just our galaxy there's so many stars there's potential that there's millions uh, perhaps billions of other advanced cultures uh, and um, they may have come here made friends for a while maybe like in e- Egypt and had an exchange program the only thing that that makes me think well maybe not is we haven't that I know of, we haven't found unearthed any advanced technology in, you know, like when archaeologists are looking, you know, like in the pyramids or wherever they're digging in these tombs. They're not finding, you know, like AM radios uh, <laughs> that are 2000 years old or, or uh, some kind of, you know, advanced piece of electronics or something of that nature buried. If they did, I would think that our government would snatch it up and we wouldn't see it anymore, or hear of it anymore. Right. But I haven't heard that any discovery like that has been made, but that would be really interesting if it was made. Uh, and I would like I would like to see more evidence where they say, well, we did meet this race. They were from outer space and, and written on some tablet somewhere where they give some sort of explanation, which I also haven't seen but um maybe you know more about that or have been exposed to that but i haven't seen anything in the ancient cultures that you know other than some drawings that can be interpreted as you know aliens coming from outer space or whatever right uh, there's no you know written language stating clearly uh they came from Pallades, they you know they made friends with us they gave us technology other than uh, the one culture that went under the water, Atlantis. Uh, if we could find that and uh, detect that they had advanced technologies, then there's a good chance that we got buddies, friends, or family, or relatives out there in the stars already on other planets, and they just haven't, for whatever reason, come back here to to say hello. I don't know. You know what happens like you get indoctrinated into a new culture and you, you know, you get assimilated and before you know it, you don't really uh, exist as the unique human beings. You're something else. Maybe they merged with other cultures and races and, you know, there is no, you know, clear cut human colony somewhere, which is something, something we need to establish, I think, somewhere other than the Earth, just in mm-hmm. case something goes wrong here.
1: Um, so how about time travel? Do you, do you think time travel is possible? Do you think it's already been achieved?
2: Well, uh, I've asked that same question. Uh, I was initially biased against it because I was very concerned about going back in time forward in time didn't bother me that much but back in time really I think is a bad idea to do that and I did do some research and I did it for the Stargate chapter in my book and I I was able to determine if there is going to be time travel especially going back in time but going forward in time I did a lot of research with NDEs and on the other side they can go forward and backward uh, in time at any time which tells me and as I have already confirmed that time outside of the physical universe the superverse where heaven and all the other dimensions and realms exist together is really something that is happening all at once in parallel the past Mm -hmm. the present and the future are all going on at the same time so if that is true and i do believe that is true that means we can create portals that cut across the time dimensions and go back and forward in time so at this point in time after i completed the stargate chapter i am now convinced that we can in fact go forward and backward in time and uh I believe that our government probably has this technology as well. Uh, It started with their experiments, the Philadelphia experiment, where they used magnetic resonant fields to accidentally create uh, a slip in time and also a a dimensional tear. Then they repeated it with Project uh, Montauk. Mm Mm-hmm. And that was another magnetic resonant. But this is not the best and most efficient way to create a Stargate. It's limited you a range and, and, and power. The newer one that I believe has been built, and this is highly speculative. Uh, I say so in my book. You know, I just if I was gonna build one, uh, this is how I would build it, and it would need certain technology. As I was given some keywords to search on, those keywords did come true. I mean, they they scored for me. I was surprised <laughs> as I, I got these uh, suggestions from. What, what were they? Um, I was told to look up fractal lenses, and I had no idea what that was. And so I says, all right, I'm going to, I was told to write this chapter on time travel and Stargate. So I says, I will add it into the end of my book. Uh, So even after the whole book was done, I thought I was done. I had some conversations with uh, some people and they uh, told me that I should do this. And so I, and they gave me keywords to search on. And I did look up fractal lenses and (laughs) at the beginning of the chapter, I said, If stargates exist and time travel exists, I can tell you this for sure. Something is going to have to go faster than the speed of light. Now, I know how to do that with the slipway bias drive, but um, there's also another way to do it. And when I looked up fractal lenses, I discovered these things actually exist. And uh, um, they're composed of a metamaterial which is a material that controls the permittivity and permeability within that material but That's how it's built with material scientists do this and, and they're making great inventions. There's gonna be new kinds of lensing systems and radar systems, all kinds of applications. Um, but when you use this material, it, inside of it, if you shine light, they're claiming Since they can reduce permittivity and permeability to zero, that uh, light within this material goes infinitely fast. And I said in the chapter, this is the one key thing. If you're going to create a stargate, if you're going to open portals into other times and dimensions, you have to accelerate particles beyond the speed of light. And then when they come out of the framework or the antenna system, or whatever you wanna call that structure, the stargate gauge structure, uh, they're gonna hit the regular atmosphere at, at a highly compressed frequency. Uh, they'll emerge from that panel coming at many times the speed of light. Uh, and then they hit the, the normal space and they create an electromagnetic shock wave. And this opens the portal. And if you use maybe some uh, other audio technology where you cause the air to vibrate and at very high frequencies and you combine the two, it's theoretically possible that you can open a portal into whatever dimension or time you want. And if you control the amount of permeability and permittivity in the in the metamaterial, the fractal lenses, which will be in the frames of the stargates, you can tune it like a radio. And if you know the physics, you have to do these, this is where the physicists come in handy. <laughs> if you can do this, you can tune this thing to go to a different time, uh, forward or backwards, or or you can go to another place in the galaxy you know all that has to be worked out with many experiments to see how all that works out and um this is a, a thing of great potential a great way to get across the galaxy really quick and easy you so just could, step could, through. Could, we,
1: could we use that in in to to dodge the black hole collapse well, burning
2: out. I, I suppose people could all run back into the past, but if you <laughs> that's really bad uh, if you will pollute the timeline uh, and, and quite possibly corrupt it because you have massive amounts of people. It's dangerous just for one person to go back and interact too much with things. You can eliminate yourself in the present.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, you can eliminate a whole bunches of people by Doing something that you don't think is a big deal, but you know you cause somebody's uh, mother to die uh, prematurely. They don't have a kid that would have been the kid that invented this uh, or discovered that, and then all of a sudden you got this whole new future uh, that's very different from what's happening now. Uh, it's very risky business, and I, I doubt that we're very good at. Mm-hmm. Traveling backwards in time because it's very hard to predict.
1: Interesting. Um, I think we've already already done it.
2: Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it has been done.
1: No. In fact, I think it's. I don't know about you, but I mean, I might be crazy, but I think maybe we've already done something to alter time, and maybe that's why things are a little bit jacked up.
2: Well, you know, know, I thought about that. How would we detect it? Because, you know, if you change something, uh, the memories are going to be changed. uh, The occurrences Mm -hmm. that happen after that are going to be different. Like the
1: Mandela effect. We
2: all experienced it. Right. The only hope that we would notice something is the Mandela effect, that somehow our consciousness doesn't get erased, and that at the subconscious level, we remember something that's different. And uh, all of a sudden reality is not matching that memory, but there's times when you get glitches in your own memory, it's just glitches in your memory. Right, <laughs> but
1: but like, like with Mandela though, like it was a glitch in almost everybody's memory.
2: Yeah. And some of those things, but some of them I've read about some of them and some of them are actually been explained. Mm -hmm. uh as a naturally occurring thing a mistake of memory caused by certain events and what people did so uh, at least in one case i i I had it explained to me that that particular memory came about because this person did that and that person did this and then that's that's what happened but i don't know that it could explain all yeah. these different things. Like, like,
1: things. It, it, like, for me, like, what it was that kind of freaked me out is the Kit Kat bar.
2: Well, what about the Kit Kat bar? That sounds good. Right. I love Kit. I love Kit Cats. I,
1: I do too. <laughs> and I remember them as having a dash between the word Kit and Cat.
2: Hmm. But there's no dash
1: and, ever. There's, and There's never has been.
2: Huh. Yeah. I don't know. Why would they change things like that? That's <laughs> That it has to be a byproduct of something that somebody did in the past that caused mm-hmm. that to change, and that's subtle. And we noticed that, but <laughs> it, it's…
1: It haunts me every day. Yes.
2: Yeah, well, it, it, there's loads of these stories that are out there. And, you know, to be honest with you, I think in reality sometimes the truth is way stranger than fiction
1: oh yeah <laughs> most definitely
2: yeah so odds odds are it probably has happened and um, we won't know the full story until we get to the other side and when we can see uh, life reviews and see all of that really happened you know all these people that are covering up stuff now mm-hmm. it's all going to be known once you pass over to the other side, you find out all the truth.
1: And also, one of the other ones that, that, that hints to me at, at it are um, photographs from the past where you see people with technology that we have now, like cell
2: phones. Yeah, yeah. I think I remember seeing that one time. It looked like this lady was carrying a cell phone back in, I don't know, 1960 or 1950, when there yeah. wasn't any cell phones yet yeah that's pretty cool (laughs) you need more stuff like that to uh to i guess you know there's always going to be somebody that's able to explain their way out of it or whatever but it's interesting to think about and until some government authority comes up and says this which i don't expect them to ever do uh stargates is uh there's going to be a lot of people That have problems with time travel Especially going into the past And messing with Their history mm-hmm. And uh, I don't like it so much Although i got to admit I would love to go back and see my childhood again But if you do that You go like the episode in Twilight Zone Where I think it's Gig Young Or somebody like that uh, This car breaks down out of town and he walks into town and town is back, you know, like 30 years when he's just a little kid again. So he sees himself as a little kid, uh, but he's still an adult. So he goes back in time, but he doesn't go back as the little kid. Uh, so there's there's two of you. There's the future you and then the, the current you. And if the future you messes with the past you... <laughs> in any kind of way just like in the Back to the Future movies, bad things can happen uh, the more you do it, the more uh, risky it becomes maybe
1: I mean it, it, it's, it, I have to say what, what trips me up with it being dangerous, and I, and I agree with you 100% that um, time is sort of an illusion, everything just has happened at one
2: time I'm is an illusion.
1: Yes. Yes. So I I don't really necessarily, I believe that everything is already happened at once. And if everything happens at once, that makes it kind of difficult to alter.
2: Well, it's happening in parallel. That's I don't know if that's the same as all happening at the same moment, but it's certainly, it's certainly happening in parallel. Mm -hmm. And and, um, what makes us have time here is because we have real space a real physical uh, objective universe so that without real space and i think we talked about this in the last episode uh without that real physical space you can't have time intervals and, and that's that's something that even einstein said in his famous uh speech in um I think it was uh, The Ether and General Relativity back in 1920. Uh, he said that at the end of the speech, he's talking about the ether. Uh, but he's he's going to make the same point I've made many times. And uh, basically, he said, recapitulating, we may say that according to the general theory of relativity, space is endowed with physical qualities. In this sense, therefore, there exists and ether. According to general relativity, or general theory of relativity, space without an ether is unthinkable, for in such space there would not only would be no propagation of light, but also no possibility for, of the existence for standards of space and time, measuring rods and clocks, nor therefore any space-time intervals in the physical sense. So he's saying you don't have an ether if you don't have something made of some some sort of physical substance you don't have time now mm-hmm. and light can't go through something that's not there so he's basically saying the same thing i'm saying in my book uh without an ether without space being a something this universe really can't exist as we see it. especially time you, it would take zero time if space were made of nothing to go across the entire universe mm-hmm. because there's nothing there why would it take any time to go across it
1: um you you've mentioned a couple of things that i don't remember you mentioning last time one is like the life review thing at the end of life and right. you know and um out-of-body experiences and entities and stuff like that mm-hmm. um would it be easier to do some of these things like time travel, anti-gravity, space travel um, without the physical body, like separate from the physical body, like an astral type of projection type of way.
2: Yeah, but you, you're not physical anymore, so yeah. there's very little interaction, little to none that can happen. The only interaction you can have was with advanced uh beings that have great psychic abilities where they could see you and talk to you and i think many people have claimed that kind of thing has happened where they went out of body they went to another planet they actually had conversations with uh, extraterrestrials on other planets and stuff and that's fine it's great that's not a You know, uh, my perfect solution I mean, we could do that And I think in the future As mankind advances Assuming we don't wipe each other out In some great holocaust of some sort Uh That we are becoming more and more psychic There's more mediums now Than there has ever been And uh, these mediums Most of them are really good Now, is there some fakes out there? Yes, of course there are But I've talked to many that are not fakes, and they have confirmed providing evidence from the other side that they're actually talking to my uh, parents who have passed away and friends and family who have passed away and other people. There, there's no way that they're not talking. They're making this up. They got too many things right, things that were deep in my mind that I was thinking about and the answers were given without me even asking these questions so i'm certain beyond any shadow of a doubt there's an afterlife and you know this world the people of this world need to wake up and and stop with all this uh, uh oh there is no god and then the, we don't know for sure because we can't see him and whatever this nonsense has got to stop it it's holding you back it's it's archaic thinking and and we need to advance uh, and people need to be open-minded about this and uh, let this in and know for sure because it'll be for the benefit of all people to understand there is a God there is a Jesus there is uh, many great spiritual teachers on the other side Uh, we have guardian angels all of this stuff is real it's and when you get there to a man, everybody who's come back has said it's more real there than it is here. Right. That that
1: this is the illusion.
2: Yeah, this is like a theme park ride. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you get on the ride. You have a lifetime. You have your ups, your downs. You this way, that way. You get twisted and turned. That's yeah, great fun. Uh, you get. What do you get out of it? Experiences. Those experiences are collected. They go up with you to heaven. It's relived. You re-see it all. Uh, God gives you his greatest gift. He gives you life. When you return back home, your gift to him is what you've done with that life. And that's what it's all about for us and for every other being all across this universe. This place exists so we can uh, experience pain, suffering, joy, Sorrow, happiness, all the various things, learning things, challenges, uh, it's all possible in the physical realm, whereas in the other realm, uh, everything is given, everything is easy, everything is perfect, there's no real challenges, it's hard to have growth. In order to have spiritual growth, you need to be challenged, and that's what you do when you come here. You volunteer, and it's a rough ride. For most of us, it's been a rough <laughs> ride for me. I can tell you that. And uh, even you know, I'm watching The Crown on uh, Netflix. Mm-hmm. Even the, the the bigwigs, the you know, the super rich, and the, they have all kinds of problems uh, in that family and the uh, the British royal family. I mean, they've some of those people, like Princess Diana, suffered greatly. That uh, was awful. Uh, but you know, that's what life's all about. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. It, it just reminds me of this old blues song. It says something like, does it matter whether you're rich or poor when the Lord gets ready, you got to move.
2: Yeah. yeah, <laughs> That's right. This is a coming home party. Sooner or later, everybody gets to ride that one way ticket back to the other side. And it's a beautiful place from what I'm hearing. It's fabulous. It's interesting.
1: Um, Do do you yourself do any type of uh, practices with like, you
2: know, out of body experiences? I have had some psychic experiences really mostly concerning my guardian angels who have come to me in times of great stress. I've had some great stress in my life in my younger years with the divorce and so forth. And Mm -hmm.
1: uh,
2: they came to me at night usually uh, and gave me messages. In one case, actually saved my life. Uh, And, you know, that's a personal miracle that happened uh, to me. And there's loads of people with these same kinds of stories. Uh, If you're going to have a close encounter with death and it's not your time... They'll warn you, It happened with my wife. She was warned. Uh, she was about to go across a railroad track and I guess she had the music playing loud in the car. I couldn't hear the train tooting the horn and uh, she was looking the wrong way. And uh, she said she felt something blow on her ear. So she was turned. she turned to see what it was and that's when she saw the train and stopped. They're very subtle how they do it, but they do just enough to make sure you don't die in an early exit point. So these guardian angels are with all of us, all of us, 8 billion people, all of us have. I don't care what religion you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. This is applying to every last single human being. Nobody is here alone. Right. I would probably need an army of guardian angels. Yeah, most people have two to three. I I know I have two. I was told very early on, and I had two. And then I actually saw them in a very vague kind of, you know, spiritual way at night in in my bedroom, you know, uh, and uh, had some actual contact with them. And they did that just to reassure me because I was at a low point in my life and uh, they just let me know they were there quite literally by squeezing my hand and then saying, did you feel that? And I couldn't make out what they were saying initially because I was in this state. Sometimes I wake up and I hear this buzzing in my ears and, uh, it's like half of my brain is, Awake and the other half is in this Delta state or something. And when I'm in this state, I can sense the other side. You know, sometimes like I hear speeches and like a radio turning and, and like, I'll hear old baseball games or whatever. And it's like, I'm hearing the past. But as we talked about earlier, the past is going on at the same time. So that's possible. So you can tune into it psychically like you would tune a radio. And in, in this particular instance, I, you know, I, I actually made a prayer that night as I was falling asleep, I was begging them for help and show me a sign. And that night they did. They actually came to me squeezing my hand and, you know, I heard this jing. jing and I said, well, I can't make that out. It sounds metallic and it's I know it's somebody talking, but I can't hear it. But I calmed myself down. I said, just focus on the voice. And after a couple of times, the zhuzhuzhings turned into, did you feel that? Did you feel that? And as they were saying, I could feel my my hand was laying out in front of me, and I could feel them squeezing it. So they were just answering my prayer and saying, we are here. You're going to be all right. And it's it's a sweet story, and it's a personal miracle. And there are literally tens of thousands of those kinds of stories where guardian angels come and help people in all kinds of crisis situations and such. They're all over the place. It's part of life. And sometimes if you need that little extra boost, they'll come forward a little bit and let you know. And that's the message I'm giving to people right now. You're not alone, you've never been alone. You won't be up to your last day from the day you were born to the day you die i know it's hard for us to conceive that somebody would hang around this all, all all that time non-stop but they do but time on the other side is way different than it is here to them it's like you know a couple hours it's like hardly any time at all but to us you know it's a whole lifetime 60 70 80 years hmm. it's a perfect
1: system it does work out they give a couple hours We
2: suffer for 80 years. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes, sometimes we suffer. Sometimes we have all kinds of great things going on, you know, like Oprah Winfrey. She's not having too bad a life, I don't think.
0: (laughs) Uh, But, you know, you get
2: that too. That's part of the experience thing. You you know, some people, what people don't realize is whatever it is you got, you chose it. And Mm -hmm. that's something that's very difficult for people to swallow. Because some of the misery they went through, I can't believe I chose this. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you just got to learn that uh, through the suffering and such, there's gifts that come, gifts of, of faith and, and advancing your spiritual uh, life, your, your 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 who you are is uh through sometimes through suffering you learn great great things you become a a a better human being and you know i don't want to physically suffer but (laughs) you know i've had it happen i've had 16 kidney stones damn that's oh yeah i gotta tell you that really hurts
1: (laughs) i've had it once
2: oh (laughs) god uh yeah well uh I learned something from it. I learned how to cure it. And now I don't have it. I remember the nurse saying when I was in for the second or third time, she says, oh, man, you're a stone maker. You'll be back here every year uh, and from now on. And I was for the next 16 years. I also found out that I actually have three kidneys. <laughs> really?
1: It's kind of cool.
2: I'm an X-Man. <laughs> That's my genetic uh freaky thing so if i
1: I need a kidney i know the guy to say.
2: well if we match yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah so um i could tell you right now that if you take magnesium you will not have kidney stones anymore
1: oh i had magnesium i think before i had my colonoscopy
2: oh yeah that that's yeah that, that shit
1: was brutal yeah yeah
2: that, yeah, that was good. the longest that's a of lot of magnesium life. oh yeah that, that stuff is hard <laughs> oh it's awful the flavor the taste the whole Everything, experience yeah, there's, there's
1: nothing good
2: oh. <laughs> <laughs> the, only thing, the only right. thing
1: good was, about that experience was the uh propanol <laughs> they put me out i like that oh stuff. yeah
2: <laughs> oh yeah when they knock you out i says uh I remember getting knocked out for, for one of those procedures. And then I woke up and I told the, the, the guy, the uh, anesthesiologist, oh, I don't think you gave me enough. Cause I'm, I'm still awake. <laughs> <He> <laughs> says, It's over. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, it knocks you out. You don't remember a thing. It's yeah. really, really fabulous. It Thank is God. amazing.
1: Like, I wish you would have gave me some of that to take home. <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, (laughs) I learned early on, I needed my brain. So I tried to stay away from doing uh, all that stuff. I did a little bit when I was young, with messing around with uh, marijuana and alcohol. But I kept thinking to myself, you got to stop. You need every brain cell you can get. (laughs) You know, it's weird that somebody would say that to themselves. And I eventually I just dropped all of that. I said, nope, I'm not gonna do any of this anymore. And I need my brain cells. I don't know why. <laughs> but something something's coming and I better not do it. So I did. So I definitely uh you need to not do that stuff too much. I still have a beer every now and then. Yeah.
1: But, yeah. Uh, I don't I don't do any of that stuff anymore, but but it's it's funny, like when you talk about you know, I've gone through like these periods, like where i was like, "Why? Why would I have chosen this life? You know, like what was I thinking?" And then, right. and then if I sit back and I really look at it, you know, I'm like, "Well, let me see. I mean, I, I mean, I spent like the first part of my life living a life of like just sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Right. That was pretty fun, you know. Right. And now, yeah. now I'm living the second part of my life, just you know, sort of." Really diving into all these topics that, that you know, like UFOs and supernatural and out of body mm-hmm. experiences, this and, and all these really interesting stuff. Like, mean, yeah, I, I could see myself picking this life.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, the first part of life got you to this point. I mean, that's with all the stuff I went through, there were various choices I made. It got me eventually to write this book I mean, I wasn't born Thinking I'm going to write this book Mm -hmm. It didn't really come to me Until a year or so before I retired And then I decided when I retired To write the book But it was a whole life of experiences Reading about UFOs Reading about Einstein Doing all these things That just sort of accumulated And uh, drifting down the stream Basically when you live your life and you're trying uh, what I've learned from again, from near death experiences is every person uh, is given um, a life plan. And this one NDE guy went through the whole process. He, the whole birthing process. And he described how before we are born, we actually go to classes. We're trained for the life experience because it's a very challenging thing and uh then you're given your life tasks uh, actually by god and there's a literally a room everybody goes into they raise their right hand and they swear that they're going to try and remember what it is they came to earth to do that's mm-hmm. the big deal and i would i don't know how many people actually succeed but I would tell you many people don't, you know, and they have very uh, wasted lives where they just get in, indulge themselves and they never come out of it or they, and then they die from an overdose or whatever. And then they go for the life review and they, well, nothing is considered bad, but had you had done this and done this, you would have learned this and that, and you would have advanced way more than you have. But so now you're gonna to have to have another life and try it again and so forth. So the so the key is really remembering what it is you came to do. So I would say to you, this this is very good work that you're doing. So you have remembered, and you're on the right path. I, that doesn't uh, to me that I'm I'm very sure that people who are doing this kind of work. And I want to give you a a, a good idea right now. You guys who do these podcasts, you need to unite and create a channel, a TV channel, uh, or, and or a, in your case, it would be an audio channel equivalent. Because you guys are the future of entertainment, of news, of media, because you're objective and you're open-minded, and we really need that. And if you guys could all come on, all you podcasters, all the guys, if you could get together and form your own channel that is loaded into smart TVs, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you're part of, uh, um, you you can't do YouTube because they're starting to edit people. Yeah, you uh, sure are. So it needs to be, somebody needs to create a whole new auto, uh, Channel where it's automated that you feed your podcast to. You agree that you're going to supply a podcast, you know, so many uh, a year, whatever, at you know certain dates. This system takes these in, bolts them into the the programming, and so your podcast comes on Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon or whatever. Uh, this guy's podcast comes on Friday, so they have all this uh, programming. Uh, it's all being fed in and you guys are feeding it into this system and it, it could be done in a fairly automated fashion for not too much money. You know, in the old days, you couldn't create a channel, but I think now a person with some resources uh, or a group of people could create a channel and then you could sell it on one to one of these, uh, you know, apps that are in the smart TVs mm-hmm and uh you're on tv and hey, all, i've
1: you... already done that with the podcast my podcast is on kgra radio right so so i've i do provide them like one
2: episode a week there you go so, so you're moving you're moving in that direction well i'm just saying is you build it into a yeah. bigger
1: well what you're thinking like i'm almost picturing in my head anyway Is almost like um um like Napster, like remember Napster used used to have like the like you know for for pirating music and stuff. Right, right. But right. but use a platform similar to that for for audio and video sharing of of content.
2: Yeah, in a big way, in an auto way. To, what you you need to do is actually make a TV channel that people can go to their TV, yeah. click on, so it's available on every smart TV. And so you'll have the potential to have millions of viewers because people are looking to get away from the regular nightly news. That's garbage now. Uh, It's propaganda. So Mm. we need to get away from that into something. And people are interested in this topic. There's millions of people are interested in all these new age topics, these things that are uh, new scientific stuff like the the stuff I have that – You know, it's hard for for me to get it out. I can do it on shows like this, but, you know, the regular physics channel, they wouldn't, they will not listen to me until somebody in authority says, Hey, this guy is making some good points and he does propose some experiments. We should look into this. And that's what I'm hoping is going to happen for me. But uh, for you guys, uh, I see a, our path our future for you that it's going to be great if you guys could get organized and 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 make this happen this idea happen
1: it's definitely a possibility one of the things that i really like about podcasting is a lot of podcasters at least in this particular area that i'm in we work together a lot we collaborate a lot we share guests a lot we share a lot of information you know so we definitely work together Uh and and also even with my own podcast i have to say i've been really surprised at the success i've had you know good
2: good. that's good to hear
1: like i would say like already i'm probably in the top 20 percent on apple Podcasts, which is great considering there's like you know over a so,
2: million podcasts so you could see how many like i know mm-hmm. like in youtube you could see how many people have watched your yeah your video is there some f- sort of feedback on the apple podcasting system too that lets you mm-hmm. yeah oh, I, get, I
1: get i get data from all of them like from apple um spotify pandora like, i'm on every platform there is out there oh and, and good. I can yeah. and I can see how much they download from my site, um, but then it even kind of goes from there. Like like for example, like Apple only downloaded from 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 my stream, and then people kind of are downloading it off of Apple, you know. Mm-hmm. So so say like on my end, it'd always say ten thousand, but in reality, it's like a hundred
2: thousand. Mm. Wow, that's good. That's good stuff. Well, you're on the right path, and I think this is going to coalesce into someday you guys having your own TV channel in your own. Uh, well, you're in a radio kind of an Internet radio now. Yeah. And hopefully that gets uploaded into some sort of a bigger system like uh, satellite dish or satellite systems that uh, what do they call that the like serious? yeah serious That's and actually
1: going to be my next endeavor. Probably is to start looking into that.
2: Yeah, you want to you know get into that, and eventually, I think you're you guys are the future of of media and news in in this world. Um, and I'm praying for that because I think it's you guys do a great job. Thank you.
1: Yeah, that would be that would be a great idea. You know, it is mm-hmm. a it is a good way to get information out. You know, and, and and I'm like, what I like to is at least be personally. When I interview guests, I try to do it non-biased.
2: You know, I always well, try to give yeah. my
1: my guests a chance to say whatever they need to say.
2: Yeah, and, and that's that's the way news used to be, and they used to be proud of that, but that's gone it's it's turned into a propaganda machine and it's it's very scary to me because we lose our freedoms if this starts to happen because Mm -hmm. it turns into a society that's not it's more like uh, uh, nazi germany or something where the media is controlled by the a political group and and then the truth becomes relative. It becomes <laughs> not, not, not really there. You just yeah. have a version, and that version isn't really the real truth. And so we, we have to do better than that. We got to be better. We got to be honest. We got to be objective. We got to be virtuous. And um, uh, this this you guys doing this, this is it's a grassroots level kind of a thing and it's a it's a response basically in my opinion to mm-hmm. the collapse of the other system where people are getting fed up with uh getting you know you can go to a news station and see the same story on six different stations almost the words are exactly the same they're reading from a script for crying out loud <laughs> yeah. uh, so it's
1: it, it's It's weird, that's for sure. Like, Because I remember, too, you know, I'm 53, and I remember when I was a kid, you know, like like guys like Walter Conkite, you know, they they would come on, you know, they would give the facts, and that was it. That's all they did.
2: Well, he he definitely had a bias, but you know what? You could never tell.
1: Right. Well, everybody has a bias, but we were doing – news or something well he did it in a
2: way he tried to just report the news he didn't try to color it Mm -hmm. and edit it and you know to present a point of view he just you know what they need to do is just give the news give all the facts don't just give some of the facts which is very common now they tell you what they want you to hear and then leave out other pertinent facts that would definitely have an effect on your opinion so um it's better just to tell the story just the way it is the whole story and 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 then that's it but they have kind of gotten away from that now so yeah
1: yeah and they've also shortened people's extension uh attention spans too Mm. yeah which makes it harder for people to even sit down long enough to get all the facts
2: and who knows who knows if they're putting subliminal cuts and stuff too i you know i don't know if anybody's checking i hope they are uh but it wouldn't surprise me if that's going on somewhere as well uh, but i know, i uh, uh, just an idea for you though just uh, just something to think <laughs> about when you talk to your buddies
1: yeah yeah i definitely will meditate on this and see what i can think of and okay. do a little do a little research
2: righty.
1: so um yeah like one of the things that that you mentioned like you know it's not really on a a topic that we've but i I think people too would be less hung up on uh, media manipulation and, and everything too if they were more aware of their true spiritual nature and multi right. and knowing that, um, that, that there's more to life than what you're just experiencing. Now, you know, there's a right. life before there's a life after, and it's going <laughs> to stay that way for a while.
2: Right. Uh, well, it's, it's always going to be that way there's uh, this is very a small period of time that we're alive and then we, of course we have reincarnation so there's mm-hmm. lots of and, and not just to here but probably other planets as well
1: uh what do you think would happen to the soul um during a black hole collapse
2: yeah I've, you know i've actually given that some thought you know because um It's a very strong and powerful physical thing. But Mm -hmm. um, I don't know for sure. I read one NDE where a person who was zipping around the universe tried to go toward the sun and was blocked by something. So uh, I thought, well, if that's true, that's interesting. That's implying that they could be harmed. But in general, um, the spirit energy is not the same as physical energy or physical matter. And so, uh, the the general thing that I hear the most often I hear is that uh, you're, you're indestructible, you're eternal. Souls are eternal, and that's good to know. Uh, but You know what? I wouldn't want to try, even in a uh, spiritual state, trying to go near a black hole. Uh, I I don't know what (laughs) would happen, really, but um, I think you'd be all right, but I I don't know for sure. Uh, But I'm just going on the general principle that I hear that you can't be destroyed uh, once you've passed away. Your consciousness, your soul, your spirit is eternal like God, and it actually is, um, I've heard some people say uh, that we are God, we are extensions, we're uh-huh. like single thoughts, or I like to, to to say, like, we are a single strand, a thread, and a tapestry. Uh, each life is a strand or thread in the universal or the Godhead tapestry, yeah. and we're all a part of that, we're all a part of it. Him, I say him, but you know the universal being it's not a mm-hmm. male or a female, but it's love, the pure love, the the consciousness, the creator, the uh, source of everything. we're a part of that And all, all these experiences become a part of all our life experiences, become a part of that experience that you know God is somehow experiencing all things and always, all possibilities through us mm-hmm. and not just earth humans but animals and and plants and 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 other species and intelligent beings at all various levels you know it's all part of a you know a infinitely complex uh, system of gathering experiences and um, it's it gets quite big and complex when you When you look at the really big picture, we're so focused on this little tiny planet Earth and this little picture, we think this is everything. This is just a little small speck of what's out there. We're talking, you know, tonight we've talked about other dimensions, other times, other universes. You know, I heard that there are an infinite. Number of universes, and they're more being created all the time. By definition, you know that would have to be true if there's an infinite number. It's ever ongoing, and that that number is hard to get your head around. You know, <laughs> <laughs> infinity is really difficult for a finite person to comprehend and get. But uh, <clears throat> when you're connected. With the power of God That's comprehensible That's understandable That's something you can even experience And I remember reading about this one NDE guy Who said that once he was there He was able to sense Every grain of sand On every planet In the universe And know its purpose Know its position Know why it's there Everything about it That's you know, in my limited mind that's so hard to imagine, but there the totality the of the ability to connect to everything is it's like a snap of the finger. It's so easy and so possible. It's um mind boggling. That is. That is very mind boggling. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but but we definitely share the same sort of uh model of the universe because that's kind of how I look at it and, and the same thing as um, you know I, I think that everything is, is sort of a, a manifestation of I call it more like a consciousness you know or God whatever you want to call it universe or energy you know but it's, it's just also kind of manifestation of the same thing experiencing itself in every uh-huh. possible form
2: Right, every possible form and way that's um, imaginable. That's why I
1: named this podcast "Everything Imaginable."
2: Oh yeah, yeah, that's (laughs) right. Yeah, everything imaginable. Very good. (laughs) 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 That's good because it is. It's hard to
1: wrap. It it, it is kind of funny that even what's even more blind to me sometimes is the fact that I cannot even come close to imagining.
2: everything that could be imagined yeah uh i am only
1: want able to comprehend this tiny little sliver of it
2: i try to steer away from any kind of thinking about infinity or uh things that can be infinite uh it's circular and you get kind of it may actually makes my head a little dizzy if i try mm-hmm. to imagine you know the end of something that has no end uh, <laughs> or the beginning of something that has an infinitely long beginning that has no beginning. It's just, you know, trying to imagine where God came from. It's, it's impossible. God was always here. And then mm-hmm. I try to imagine, how could that be? Um, but yet it is.
1: <laughs> I, I kind of think of it like as a a feedback loop where you just have like a, this whole continuous loop of feedback just spiraling endless, endlessly.
2: Yeah, some of these things we're not really going to be able to fully grasp until we get to the other side. It's, you know, the, our words and our thinking are so limited here that it's our, our ability to communicate some of these ideas. Right. And, uh, it's just very, you know, limited. We just don't have the vocabulary. Uh, I remember people describing the look of God, that white light. But it's not just the white light, it had dimension, it had uh, other things in it that was more than white light that they, they couldn't, they didn't have words to describe it when they came back, and this is very common for them to say this, it's like the light had texture, it had feeling, it had all these other kind of dimensions to it that we in our puny three-dimensional thing can't really express like Mm -hmm. the multiple colors that it had that we've never ever seen and can't be described Uh, if you haven't seen a color that looks a certain way how do you say well it's red but it's not red it's this other color that (laughs) it's indescribable and so there's that aspect i mean it's It's a big universe out there It's just so much More To experience And the the only way to really experience All all of it is to astral Travel And you get Mm -hmm. bigger glimpses But uh, when you pass away Then you get the whole boat The full boat uh, you know, anything you want, anywhere you want to go. You want to go see the dinosaurs? Go see the dinosaurs. You want to see the birth of Christ and follow through his life? You'll see that. You can see that. You want to live, somebody said they went through and they relived everyone's life on earth in a matter of an instant. Uh, that's incomprehensible to me. <laughs> you would live everybody's <laughs> life, see everything they saw, felt everything they felt, not only your own life but everybody else's it's just mind-boggling yeah but you know that's that's the spirit realm is a, an amazing place yeah
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and that's why i'm I'm fascinated by ndes there's so much you can learn about yeah. the way things really are
1: yeah i've done a ton of episodes on ndes and and i had one myself too Oh Which wow!
2: Interesting. Wow, yeah. and you know, then you know some of the stuff that I'm yeah. saying, you know. Well, about
1: well the... mine was was weird. Like mine was during a a seizure.
2: You know, I, I just. Oh, okay. I
1: had I had a seizure, and but it was long. It was like twenty minute long, Twenty Whoa. minutes, at least here, like to me, it seemed like a second. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, you know, in a, in his vortex of of color and, and sounds and. Mm-hmm. And I just remember like being there and I'm like wow, this is really cool. You know, mm-hmm. it was peaceful. I wasn't in any pain. I didn't feel alone. You know,
2: right?
1: I, I just felt like 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 just like sort of amazed by it.
2: Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard. it was just like you know,
1: It was just awe inspiring. You know, it's like 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 looking at the Grand Canyon or something for the first time. You know, it's just like whoa,
2: right? <laughs> That's amazing. It's There's so many stories. I've heard that it's like uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 200,000 NDEs in just the United States alone every year. Thanks to the great mm. medical systems we have now, people are being revived left and right. Yeah. And so, of course, we're going to have more and more of this. And uh, so people are learning, oh, this isn't all there is there's much more Mm
1: -hmm. and And that's like i interviewed um her name is uh pmh atwater oh yeah yeah and and she's 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 like really famous for for nde yes she had experienced it three times each time it was different Mm -hmm. you know And, and that makes perfect sense to me actually
2: well, it's tailored uh, on what you need to hear, what you need to experience. Uh, so, you, yeah, there are going to be variations uh, from time to time. If you have multiple, or for each person, mm-hmm. you know, they're not all identical. There are similarities. There's a lot of people experience the tunnel. A lot of experience. A lot of people experience the white light. Some people see relatives. You know, there's mm-hmm. certain common things, or they got combos of these experiences but uh it's you get what you need to get yeah yeah, yeah it's whatever's going to be
1: best for that person at that time right
2: based on your frame of mind and you know yeah what you need to hear and experience it's all taken care of part of the big plan yeah it's definitely incredible
1: yeah i love that stuff mm-hmm. um have you ever like with your theories, um, you know, as far as anti-gravity and and stuff like that, have you conducted any experiments yourself to try to create an anti-gravity device?
2: No, that's why I put the chapter in the book um, that just basically the last chapter, I say, here's some ideas for experiments I have that you can do. Um, I haven't done them because, you know, I just... uh, I tried earlier on trying to do perpetual motion machines and stuff, but not that good at the physical mechanical stuff. And Mm it costs a lot of money. And then (laughs) I know that they'll work because I've read about people who've done these type of experiments like Eugene Paklanoff and Ning Li and uh, people like that who detected the drop in the gravitational field. Up about two percent over, you know, they were doing rotating superconductors, and I don't know why they decided to do rotating superconductors with magnets underneath them. Uh, and so they just happened to, well, at least Eugene did. It was kind of an accident. He saw smoke rising above where the the fixtures were, and he got suspicious that there might be a drop in gravity there. And then he put something over it and measured it and saw that it weighed less. And uh, both these people did that. And uh, they tried to write up their work. And then, of course, the government got involved. And next thing you know, Eugene working for NASA. But they couldn't confirm his measurements. But that didn't stop them from hiring him at Boeing to work on their anti-gravity program (laughs) and uh ning lee got five hundred thousand in her bank account to do some research and then we never heard from her anymore (laughs) now she's living somewhere in california or something uh so they you know have done a great job at disinformation and kind of covering this up uh what what I what we really need is get is some really good serious scientists. It would be great in the high the superconducting labs, like over in uh, I think it's in Jacksonville. There's one there. Uh, FSU has one. Uh, but the problem is, the Air Force is deeply tied to those uh, places in the United States, and The Air Force is not going to like you doing that kind of research and publishing anything. Uh, So I I don't really look for anything from the United States initially. I'm hoping places like Europe and and the Far East or wherever will do the experiments I outline in the book. They'll see for themselves that uh, the... uh, you know, the anti gravity effect created by intense magnetic fields. They'll say, okay, now well, we got to quantify this, we got to measure this how much field strength d- d- develops, uh, how much drop in gravitational strength, the shielding effect. You know, so you know how many Teslas it takes to cut half of the gravitational strength, and then uh, how much more, how many more Teslas it takes to completely shield the gravitational field of the earth let's say and it may not be a linear number it may be exponential in some way but you're only going to find that out by doing experiments turning up the the magnetic field to a certain strength measuring the drop and weight of the of the of a non-ferrous material like wood or plastic or something that's suspended above mm-hmm. the magnetic field and you say ah it dropped twenty-five percent. It's all of a sudden twenty-five percent lighter. Now let's turn it up another thirty teslas and see how much more, how much, you know, more a drop in weight there is. So you do you plot, you do many measurements over a range of powers of field strength, and you 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 plot a curve. You'll see, okay, it's a straight line. You know. Yeah, if I give ten te- for every ten teslas of field strength, I get a one percent drop in gravitational field strength. Or it might not be. You know, it may take twenty teslas to get you know a three percent, and forty temp- teslas gives you fifteen percent, and and sixty teslas gives you ninety three percent. You know, so it's a curve, mm-hmm. and. So at some point uh, with hopefully, I'm hoping that maybe, you know, some manageable amount of magnetic field strength can completely block out gravity and basically twist space to the point or cause it to rotate to the point. It stretches so much that a gravitational field just can't get through it anymore. And um, this work needs to be done and it needs to be done by, competent scientists who have training and skills and the equipment to do it right. And, and and those are the only people are going to be believed because there's been other people at my level who are, you know, amateurs or, you know, piddling around who've done these experiments, loads of them, and they get squashed. Right.
1: Um, I have a question about the perpetual motion. Um, doesn't that kind of already exist in uh waves of the ocean you know the pool between the moon and the earth
2: well for the tides and such yeah. so yeah yeah you got in in and, and there are like clocks that are built that sense um changes in temperature and stuff uh uh, the Atmos clocks, stuff like that, that uh, will keep winding themselves. All it needs is a little change in temperature. And long as you have a change in temperature, up and down, the clock will be wound and it keeps running. Uh, but yet they want to say, well, that's not really perpetual motion because it requires some, you know, uh, input. If you don't change the temperature, then it'll right. eventually stop. Uh, but, yeah, I think there's a lot of clever people out there. And, and uh, you know, I usually think about things with magnets, and I know of one motor that, in theory, and I believe in practice, but I believe it's also been covered up, has achieved perpetual motion. And uh, I would, if I were to get involved in the uh, ACE, space program where they, you know, as a consultant or something, we're going to build um, an anti-gravity craft, uh, the interstellar craft. I would use this. I would investigate this um, particular machine. I won't give the name. So mm-hmm. I don't want these people to get harassed because they're working on it right now. And uh, it's, uh, I could see it is supplying the energy we need for, um, which would be maybe hmm, not kilowatts, at the least megawatts of power, continuous power, because you cannot drop this. The the, uh, the slip wave has to be maintained with a direct current. Uh, it, it it cannot oscillate and cross as a oscillating or ac current cannot go across the zero line and then there's no magnetic field Mm -hmm. you always have to have when you're now you can do that when you're hovering over the you know over the earth to surface or where or you're just stationary hovering you could do an ac type of a magnetic field that's fine Uh, but when you go to deep space mode and you're traveling at at the speed of light or beyond, oh, you can never, ever drop to zero magnetic field. Once you treat those, it's it's fatal. You will be compressed to a pancake. Your mass will go uh, humongous number. <laughs> you will feel an inertial uh, kick. It will flatten you to your chair. Your instruments will fail. Everything will fail. You will. You know, basically, be a little black hole-like thing. So you you have to stay inside of the field at all times. The magnetics, the magnetic coils, must be energized the direct current all at all time until you slow this ship down by reversing the fields, so that you can halt the ship relative to the ether. Uh, because uh, if you don't if you're going 50,000 times the speed of light and you just decide to cut the magnets off, your history and there's no recovering from it. That's why I say traveling beyond the speed of light is very dangerous. You have to know those coils aren't going to fail. And if they start to fail, you have to kick other ones on and turn them on up to the full strength of the ones that are failing before they fail so you have to have all kind of circuitry in the sensing current flows sensing any abnormal temperature rise you don't want those you
1: <laughs>
2: you cannot go drop out of warp uh by shutting the magnets off you have to first stop the ship by reversing the field so it slows down relative to the absolute stationary ether to a speed like like the planet Earth is going, you know, around the sun, so many thousands of miles an hour. And, you know, I think we're going 1.2 million miles an hour toward the great attractor. It, it's, That's like slow compared to the speed of light. That's like crawling, almost stationary. Hard to imagine, but it is relative to the ether. You know, you, you're going at that speed. And... And you, you drop out of it. So like if you're on in a interstellar spaceship and you come to Earth and you slow down to the Earth speed and then you cut the magnets off, you won't feel really anything because it's still relatively slow. Even though you're mm-hmm. moving at the same speed as the Earth, and, and which is considerable in space, uh, it's, it's almost like being stationary. But when you get up to you're moving 90% the speed of light and you cut the magnets off, you're going to feel some serious problems. You're going to feel the contraction of every atom in your body violently jerk you back into your seat. Uh, I I guarantee you're going to lose consciousness and you're probably going to be like silly putty. And it's not going to be pretty. Now scientists would argue with that because they have misinterpreted special relativity. But if you interpret it properly, you understand what happens with those Lorentz transformations. It's not pretty. If you drop the slipway bias drive and shut off the magnetic field while you're going the speed of light, it's fatal. And and this is and I, I realize that this it's got to be like this. Because the motherships that people report seeing, they're usually cigar shaped. Mm-hmm. And I said, Well, that's kind of weird. Why would they make it? You know, when I was a kid, I kept it. There's a reason for this. I know there is, but why is it? It's a simple geometric shape that can be conveniently, you know, enwrapped in, in and, in, and, in, and, Surrounded by the magnetic field, but you got the coils, concentric rings going down the cigar shape, right? So it's easy for the whole thing to be inside of the field. You notice it doesn't have like protrusions coming out of this thing. Mm -hmm. That would be bad. You don't want anything protruding out of that field. Everything has to be inside of the inverse hyperbolic field, which is the anti-gravity field. Everything has to be Um, what's the word for surrounded, engulfed, you know, in this field um, to be protected. Uh, So that's why I figured they have the cigar shape because that's like the easiest shape to generate, uh, you know, a slip wave in and, you know, it's perfect. It's a simple shape, a saucer, um, a triangle. Uh, You'll see these simple geometries are used for the interstellar um, spacecraft because everything has to be inside of that field. You don't see stuff like in Star Trek, but <laughs> all these, you know, all these things sticking out over here and over there, that would be nearly impossible to uh, fly at this beyond the speed of light because every protruding object sticking out would be outside
1: uh, the field you can't would have be on yeah. and, and,
2: and you know and that would create a wormhole right right where or a black hole right where the any protruding antenna or anything everything's got to be inside and sure enough when you look at these these uh flying saucers there isn't a whole lot of stuff sticking out antennas and stuff just like like in the that movie uh it was absurd that movie um Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Uh-huh. They got this big thing, and and all these lights and the antennas and things sticking out. I just, there's no way in the hell that thing's flying anywhere, uh, you know, at, at beyond the speed of light, or even at 50% the speed of light. Uh, that would be a mess. Um, but there's a reason for everything, and if you spot the patterns in nature, and you spot the patterns in, in you know, these reports coming from eyewitnesses, Kind of really makes sense that a, a starship is in the simple cigar shape. That's the best, simplest design to put your concentric rings in, so that you can create a nice, neat slip wave for the whole craft to go in safely, and you know zip across uh, the galaxy with no problem at all.
1: Hmm. Absolutely, I mean that 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 makes sense. That definitely that that shape.
2: Um. Yeah. Well, this this is what we see this is you know connecting the dots is what i did throughout my whole life i was you know there's a reason for that shape why didn't they make it shaped like a star or why didn't they make it shape like uh you know um uh octopus or something why isn't the starships you know with all, any kind of weird shape like that or like an airplane even uh There's no need. You don't need wings, first of all, uh, going through space, but you need to keep that geometry simple so that the magnetic field can properly uh, surround the entire craft. There's nothing outside of the slip field, and that's the only safe way to do it.
1: yeah yeah absolutely i never really thought about that with close encounters you know because it does have like all that stuff kind of like oh, sticking yeah. out of it
2: <laughs> yeah well the, and, you know they they didn't really have any theory behind it it's just you know they thought it would look cool and so like star trek they thought well, oh, look cool to have all these you know
1: i think they had the communication part right though with sound
2: oh, I, I think oh yeah the, the yeah. sound
1: and color Using sound and color to communicate, I think, would definitely, and math would definitely be a way to communicate and be able to transcend the language
2: barrier. Um, Yeah, I've also heard that they just use direct psychic abilities and they talk to the people right Mm -hmm. in their heads. There's never a language problem because you're not using language, you're using. It's not language, you know, thoughts. Yeah, yeah. And thoughts are universal. I I have a feeling. I have a feeling that the thoughts of beings are universal uh, in nature. So if I think of the sun, I don't think of the words, the sun. I'm I'm seeing the image and the light shining and everything. So that's what you can transfer when you say, I'm thinking of the sun. And then the other person sees it in their head. So uh, I think the most efficient way really is through uh, psychic abilities. And, the, you know, some of these aliens have the big heads. You know, they got a lot of a lot of uh, brain power mm. going on there. You know, what we're going to have maybe in a million years from now. Can you imagine? We've got a lot of psychics now, but I think just about everybody's going to be psychic in a million years from now as we evolve.
1: Oh, and,
2: yeah. Yeah. So you won't really need to be doing the beeps and the boops and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) That's because we're kind of primitive, but they're not. And a lot of these abductees say that they talk to them right in their head. Yeah. So not, not a really I've interviewed
1: said that too.
2: Yeah. It's not a, it's not a, the communication problem isn't really that problem big of a problem because the aliens got that covered with their advanced, uh, brain cap- capabilities and psychic mm. capabilities so I think we're good there
1: but they did in that movie though also communicate through that because remember like he's having a dream of like devil's uh, peak and makes it out of mashed potatoes right.
2: And- right right well that was embedded into his mind and into the people that they were inviting mm-hmm. and that makes sense that's was really well thought out it was a good movie overall.
1: That's uh, one of my favorites. Actually, I live right down the road from the uh, they could the, down here, they call it the Close Encounters house. But it's the house, you know, the part where the kid opens the door and the light shines in. Yeah, yeah, I live like yeah. right down the road from that
2: house. Oh, wow. Man, you ought to put a picture of that on your website. It,
1: it so. looks nothing like it anymore. It's like an antique store now yeah, with a highway oh. through the front yard, but it's the oh. house.
2: Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I live near that's a famous house is Pippi Longstocking's house up in Amelia Island. Uh, you're, you're in Florida now, right? Yeah, I'm in Florida. It's a good place. I like it here.
1: Yeah, it's not bad here either, and... I'm not far, I'm in Alabama on the coast. So, oh, that's nice. I'm on about the coast, I'm about like 10 minutes
2: from Florida. Oh, okay. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so you're close to the ocean.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm about maybe 30 minutes from the ocean, and I'm about 10 minutes to Mobile Bay.
2: Yeah, I love the ocean. I, I don't do, go too. There. I don't go there enough, I can tell you that right now. Me either. <laughs> Someday I'd like to retire somewhere near the ocean.
1: Hopefully, yeah. like like this is about as close as I really want to get to the ocean.
2: Because,
1: especially now, like because we had like four hurricanes this year.
2: So, oh yeah, well that's the bad part of being in Florida. Sometimes you can have your house blown away.
1: So, so you know, I'm far I'm far enough inland to survive the hurricanes.
2: Yeah, you get in there and then uh once the hurricane hits the the main speed at the core drops pretty dramatically. Yeah. Once it gets over land. So that's good. If you get in uh fifty or a hundred miles that it'll drop at a point or two if the eye goes over you. And let's say it's comes in at a five and by the time it gets to you it's probably only a three. Right. Yeah
1: yeah and, and now mind like 30 minutes i can be at the beach yeah <laughs> so
2: I it, take it, that. it's
1: not it's not like new jersey like new jersey you know i'll be like probably about the same distance from the beach as new jersey when i was in princeton you know like technically it should have only took me like 45 minutes to get to the beach but you know with traffic it takes like two hours yeah
2: <laughs> yeah i i can't remember i I have some very fond memories of going to Asbury Park and Cape May. And uh, I don't remember how long it took because I was only a kid then. So I wasn't really paying attention, but I think it was a long time. (laughs) (laughs) But here I live in central Florida. It takes me an hour. You know, I mean, you're closer than I am and I'm in Florida. It takes me an hour, no matter which way I go. Hmm. either east or west i'm right in the middle of the state so it's it's
1: not like it's it's not like it's that wide of a state
2: no it's about um let's see it's 50 miles that way and 50 miles the other 60 miles it's maybe 120 miles Mm -hmm. wide where i'm at uh so you know 60 minutes one way or 60 minutes the other way straight across and um not bad, but uh, I wouldn't mind being closer like yeah. ten minutes five or ten minutes yeah, or I'm on, probably on the beach <laughs> I'm probably about
1: twenty about 20 miles I guess from the ocean
2: yeah that's 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 very nice <laughs> so
1: it doesn't take long oh well, man like uh I'm gonna get ready to wrap this up uh where can my uh listeners find you?
2: Well, I'm at uh, www.super-relativity.com. You can uh, get my book there at the website right now, or you can go to Amazon. There's a link on the front page to go to either place and get it. If you want a signed book, I'm still offering that for right now. I don't know how much longer that'll last, but you definitely can get the book at Amazon. Uh, and there's a link on my front page. You just click on it; it takes you right to it, and you can get the hard, uh, the paperback or the Kindle version.
1: Awesome! I might have to get myself that signed cap- copy of your book. There
2: you go. Yeah, I mail it <laughs> to you, I stamp it and sign it, and put my special super relativity insignia on it, so you know it's official. Awesome!
1: And uh, I will post the links too, to your website and to Amazon. Uh, in the notes of this episode,
2: yeah, I appreciate it, and try using. Uh, it helps if you use the keywords uh, "theory of everything" and "unified field theory." If you work them in there somehow, that that's good. I want to score high on those keywords. <laughs> you're gonna have to email that to me to remember those words okay they're they're,
1: they're not words that are like at the top of my vocabulary.
2: (laughs) well they go right along with my theory because that's what it is so but yeah
1: i'll put those in just email them to me
2: okay Uh, that's that's good it's doable
1: all right man well thanks for coming on tonight all right enjoyed it keep up the good work
0: thanks you too all righty Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable on KGRA Radio. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or email him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the costs of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of his page www.everythingimaginable2020.com Oh yes, I almost forgot, you can buy his book, Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need, and it's on Amazon. It'll change your life, because remember, everything that exists was first imagined. Hey, if you love what you listen to, don't forget, rate, review, and subscribe.